If you've been through a panic attack, you know it's serious and you know what that does to somebody. Would you say your management style changed over the COVID period? Well, it probably did test you your, your, your resilience factor because yeah. you, you were managing a situation that no one had any blueprint for. Someone's having their worst day ever. How do I engage in that conversation rather than, oh, God, we all have bad times in life and it's being able to put your arms around those people rather than just go, well, that person's not performing. Hi, I'm Steve. I am the Digital Director at Spectrum Group. Our mission in life is to unlock the potential of your people. And we do that by three things, hardware, software and expertise. Welcome to the podcast. As usual, I was joined by John Vanoom and Neil Wells. I was also joined this time by a very special guest, Nick Marshall, who's a head of sales and marketing at Amiga Red Group. We talked to Nick a lot about leadership and actually how humility has been key to him being able to take challenge from people around him and his team and how that's made him a much better leader. We talked about his career in selling and how he started off hitting the streets with a catalogue, selling protective equipment, and how now he spends his days actually generating valuable content and posting that on LinkedIn. And we talked about the four-minute rule and how your behaviour as an individual has an impact on those around you, your team members, but also your family back at home. So, as usual, if you like what we're doing, please like, subscribe, share. And with all that said, welcome to Tomorrow's Workplace Today. Welcome to Nick, to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So, for, for watchers, listeners, and for John and Neil, do you want to introduce yourself, what you do, where you're from? Yeah, Nick Marshall, um, Head of Sales and Marketing at Amiga Red Group. So, we are involved in the lightning protection height safety market. So doing installs of those systems into buildings, which then would have to be test repaired um, on a frequent basis to fit with legislation. And then we just moved into the, the EV world because of our electrical background. Um, we're now into the EV world as well. So it's quite a diverse kind of sector, niche, yep. some people would say, from a lightning protection. Um, height safety market is, is, is a massive grey market for us. Um, and kind of that's, that's my, my role and responsibilities kind of running the, the sales and operations side of that business. Stuff. So I've been fortunate to know you for, for many years. Yep. I want to I want to talk about you personally as well in terms of where you've you've come from and your your career. And I want to talk about leadership as well because I know that's something that you're passionate yep. about. So can you just give us a bit of an overview of your leadership journey when you first got into management and leadership? And then yep. some of, you know, so um, kind of got into management and leadership 14, 15 years ago. Um, after kind of coming through the ranks, you kind of earn your stripes, don't you? Kind of out on the tools and the tackle, doing the job. And then I've also had a kind of aspiration to to manage people and then ultimately want to kind of lead a function and kind of set that vision and then kind of set the tone of what you want from 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 your people. And it's kind of making sure that you've got that that engagement in place. That's kind of fundamental is yeah. you see people, don't you, with the, the best laid plans, but it's a plan either in the head or it's a plan that they've done behind closed doors and people don't really understand that that direction of travel and Salespeople, people buy from people, but that's no different between kind of you and a and a colleague. It's you have to buy into the ethos of where's that direction of travel, what we're trying to achieve, how we're getting there, what does the the roadmap look like, and it's kind of if you've got that clarity, it enables you to have an engaging conversation with people to kind of put them on that that right path, and also to be challenged as well because you want to make sure that people that are then executing the plan see the plan working, and if mm. not. 
don't kind of stick to the plan. If if it's going off in a different direction, it's not working, you've got to be agile enough to kind of shape that a little bit further and, and to listen to that feedback rather than be very dogmatic and go, no, that's yeah. that's the plan, that's where we're going. And um, on that then, Nick, so when you went from on the tool, tools per se yeah. to then becoming in you know, management and leadership, was it something in, in your formative working life that meant wanted you to be that you know more open and transparent about the vision yeah. sharing it because some managers just don't as you rightly say and then others are like yeah. actually do you know what here's my vision and i want you to jump on the bus and yeah. come along that way um i think i was pretty fortunate because when i worked before within within arco um i'd worked in a sales role and then i transitioned into a an internal um training role I think when you get into the training world, you start to think a little bit differently. It's about the training cycle. It's about kind of the, the training needs. It's you, you're probably more engaging in those conversations. The way that you facilitate conversation, the way that you bring that content to life. And I've always kind of wanted to make sure that people have got a voice. That's kind of if you think about what happens in your own life and how you are with friends. I've always been very open and transparent. I'm kind of observant of people. And I want people to kind of challenge me in a in a personal life. And I think it comes from a from a sports context as well. I think if you kind of play sports and you've got that team ethos, yeah. it does translate over into some form mm. of leadership role. <clears throat> if you've if you've played those parts in a team, you know the important parts of those cog and you just translate that over into into a work environment. Mm. So that's probably where it where it it's came from. That's a great from. point. I've been watching we'll go off piece slightly, but the the Arsenal documentary on Amazon Prime and expected to watch a football documentary, but actually I'm watching a leadership documentary. I think yeah. Nicola Arteta, the way he leads that team is just yeah. absolutely fantastic. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. I think that you look at, again, it's also about having a mentor, isn't it? And yeah. Sometimes you, you see good things, you see bad things, and he's kind of worked under Pep, and he's probably seen a yeah. blueprint. He's modelled it, hasn't He's he? modelled it, yeah. and he's probably brought then his own characteristics to it. He's, he's not a kind of Pep Mark II. Mm. He's, 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 he's his own person. He'll stand by his, his, own, his own values and beliefs. And I think that probably comes into some of your leadership as well about kind of your DNA makeup. What are your fundamental beliefs because those beliefs kind of drive your value set and if mm. you've got a strong value set those values will then kind of drive your attitude which then ultimately have an end behavior in how you interact with us isn't it but it comes back to the core essence of the the dna and how yeah. you and don't get me wrong you can you can change i'm not saying mm. that you know kind of one trick pony because we all need kind of life skills to to to, to make us to say actually i failed in those areas and it's, it's also having the opportunity to to step back and reflect on those and go, do you know something? If I could play that again, I'd do these things differently. So I think leadership, there's a massive part in regards to that emotional intelligence, about being having the ability to be self-aware of you as a person, first of all, your your own traits, mm. understanding kind of those observations of how you engage, how you motivate people, what are kind of the, the motivational factors and kind of empathy because everyone brings things into work we've all got personal lives and we all have bad times in life and it's being able to put your arms around those people rather than just go well that person's not performing well mm. why is it is it work related or actually is it more on the the personal side and you've got to spend time getting to know people and leadership is about yeah there's a vision there's a, there's a mission statement there's, there's all the the things that you would live in strategy world but i think there's a more personalized touch to that comes probably bigger part of that toolkit because people need to to buy into it, don't they? Yeah. They what, buy into you and what you set. What are the tools you use to 
make sure that you can engage with with your, with your team? Do you have that weekly one to one, or is it more kind of water cooler moments? What, no, no, what yeah, like? well, making sure that one to ones are in place, regular team briefs. Mm. Um, I think take the prime example when we kind of went into COVID. So you could sit there, you've got everyone working remote. So you're thinking to yourself, right, how do I now engage with people? How do because there were there were two things that happened in COVID. You had people that were furloughed, so you're kind of sat at home going. What's going on at work? Mm. Am I going back to a job? Because yeah. these things have never happened before. Yeah. And that caused arguments in the workplace because people are like, well, well, you're having a nice time in the back garden because we had that lovely summer. Mm, yeah, I'm yeah. actually over here now working really hard to keep this business going. Yeah. But it really hard for those people in COVID that were asked to be furloughed because A, some people didn't want to take that role and B, they were also thinking, have I got a role to go back to? When, yeah. Yeah, because if I'm getting failed, does that mean I'm not needed type thing? Correct, yeah. So the very emotional thing that goes, well, actually, then I, I'm not pivotal to this business rather mm. than actually it was all to do with kind of a skills matrix. What do we need if we're working with a reduced headcount? Mm. What do I need if I've got people that can do multiple different roles because how they've come through the business? Mm. But you need to think about how do I communicate with people that are kind of on fill? How do I make sure that they understand what's happening? So we kind of started to put video content together, mm. got... Um, Video leap on an app for my phone. Started to cut some 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 videos together. We then kind of pushed that out onto a WhatsApp group, and then you could see kind of interaction take place in comments. We got people. Then I got videos sent in from people that were furloughed to let hmm. us know what they were doing. So there was still a, there was still a connection with people within the business. Now we could have just sat there and gone, "We're working from home," but you've you've got to think about what's the impact of these these changes, and let's try and think about how we become engaging in some of the, the content that we put together. Love that. So, That's really good. So would you say your management style changed over the COVID period and some of the things you may have learned or changed through that period of remote management, yeah. if you like, have you carried that on into your future, you uh, know, into the future? Yeah, I think what it probably did test you was your, your, your resilience factor because yeah. you, you were – managing a situation that no one had any blueprint for and I, th I think what it also did was identify where your strengths were mm. um, and I think that that's where then those people orientated leaders came out and probably found that a little bit easier to say well I've not got that water cooler conversation so I now need to think about how am I how I'm engaging with others how are the people feeling so it goes back to that emotional intelligence you're thinking about others in your thought processing what do I need to think to, to tap into that person? And yeah. what's right for you might be different for you. So it's about how do I start to think about tailoring some of those messages? Or it might be that you might want a phone call every week. You might want a phone call every day yeah, because yeah. It's, it's how people kind of finish that day off. But that's about how you manage remote workers as well, isn't it? Yeah. Take COVID out of the way. We've all got remote workers and some people, yeah, will have that call on a weekly basis. Some people will say, actually, I want to tell you what I've been doing because that's my way of finishing the day. Yeah. So I think remote working management and kind of leadership is probably a, a really hard job to, to do because you've got to put time in your diary to make sure that those those conversations are, are taking place. And I'm not saying that... I'm absolutely fantastic at it because it's something that you've always got to work at cause when you've got time constraints. Sure. Sometimes what's the first thing that drops? It's mm. you become inwardly dirty. You, mm. You've just got to be able to kind of reflect and go. I think I think there's some crossover with what we discussed last week in terms of the quiet quitting as well and people being disengaged. And how do you, how do you, how do you catch that air yeah. and get them engaged? But like you say, you're putting those strategies in place. You've got to be aware of 
if this thing is happening. And I get it. I personally think it's it's probably some of the bigger businesses that are multinational that do have a, a large headcount. But again, at the same time, it could be a smaller family business that you're right, you need to make sure you have that time for people and, yeah. and you're conscious. Actually, I spoke to so-and-so for a couple of days. What, what's he up to? I'll yeah. just check in. And uh, again, you need to be thinking like that. Otherwise, yeah, it, yeah. it's quite easy for people to be drift and disengage. We... Um so, because we were inherently, everyone was in the office Monday to Friday, you know, 8.30 to 5.30 pre-pandemic. Yeah. And then obviously then everyone's sent home. And one of the things that obviously it's evolved our way of working here. Yeah. Um, because it was proven that actually when you do work from home, you're not swinging the lead. You're actually, you know, grafting and, and, yeah. and whatever. But what we did or what the, the management did, um, we always had a, a, like a Friday quiz, didn't we? Yeah. It was kind of like Friday, 4.30, right? Um, you know, we just want to stay in touch, even though you're on furlough, because yeah. everyone in sales is on furlough. Um, we're going to all get together. We're going to have a quiz um, and have a beer, all via Teams. Yeah. And and that was actually a really good way of everyone sort of staying in touch, you know, while people would be WhatsApping or, or chatting during the week. Yeah. It was actually to get everyone together and sort of have a unofficial sales meeting because we weren't yeah. there wasn't anything really going on so that really and then from there obviously the from our side the pandemic actually proved that we could be a bit more hybrid in, yes. in how we how we yeah. worked i think that also then talks about the hybrid working is that that has a knock-on effect then in regards to what does it look like then from your management skills into how people then from having those conversations face to face in an office mm that's a different kind of skill set sometimes into having conversations that are far over teams and you need to start to think about that within your infrastructure if you are going to a full hybrid way of working after kind of the, the lockdown process that we've had is what's the knock-on effect there then to, to, to people mm. um, how, how you, you manage it from so from your business uh, how much have you carried on with the hybrid work and how much have people kind of moved back towards the office so we came back into the in, into the office yeah. uh, but we're now just working through we had a flexible working policy but we're now just actually working up our hybrid policy to say actually what roles can we start to, to do because obviously you've got impact on the IT infrastructure as mm. well there's people now that which said actually I enjoyed working from home but I do want to come back into the office because I want to be able to de-stress in my house and that's now for two years yeah, yes. it's become a feel like a, an office environment I much prefer to be in the office because there's a more collaboration that that takes place mm. and there is a bit of crossover in some of the things that we do where plan after talk to admin after talk to sales so but we are kind of just working through that hybrid policy at the moment because I think it's we need to have it in place both for colleagues that we've got in the business now but also when you're going out to attract new colleagues there's a yeah, the world has changed and there's a real expectation yeah. that says tell me about your hybrid procedures this is Matt. Matt is a finance director, and this is Matt's team. Day after day, they trudge through endless stacks of paperwork like mindless zombies. But luckily for Matt and his team, things are about to get a lot better. Since Spectro has digitized their documents, there's no need for physical copies and duplicates to clutter up the office. And with a fleet of Spectrobots to take care of the mundane, Matt's team have changed the game. Don't waste the potential they've got. Get them a robot with Spectrum.
tomorrow's workplace today. Yeah. I want to talk about resilience. You touched on it, actually, because I think leadership can be a kind of lonely place if you're at the top. Yeah. And resilience is, is, in my opinion, a key kind of thing you need to build up on. So yeah. I guess how do you agree and how have you achieved that during your career? I think, yeah, I think you have to be mentally strong when sometimes those... The, the, ultimately, the book stops for you, doesn't it? Mm. But I think the way that you get past that is making sure that you've you've got constructive feedback. I always used to say to people, I love to be challenged. So if I'm sat there and you don't agree, tell me. If you think this is rubbish, say, mm. Nick, this is rubbish, but I want some facts that, that back it up. And you, you're getting then that feedback. So the resilience that you, you're building is, yeah, you might be getting constructive feedback, but at least you know your temperature checking. Mm. what's going on within your organisation. And it's good that people will disagree when you want mm. those voices because if you don't get that feedback, then you don't really know are things working or are you living in a dream world mm. that, yeah, the, the strategy's working. So I think resilience is about also talking to others. It's about talking to your peers. It's mm. about making sure that what do you see in your organisation? That's why these sessions are good because you're not just living in your own world and people go, oh, actually, we've come across that. Yeah, These yeah. are the things that we've done. Oh, actually, I'm, let's not reinvent the wheel because people are doing things that you go, I'll have a little bit of that. You steal with pride. Yeah. Steal yeah. with pride. Challenge, as you say, challenge is healthy. I mean, as long as challenge is done in the right way yeah. and it's constructive, it's, it's yeah. healthy for an organisation. It, it is, yeah. How would you guys kind of think about the resilience side of it? How would you view that? You can answer that one first. Resilient. I mean, for me, in our roles with sales, it kind of comes with the territory. You have to be resilient because there's monthly targets to be hit. doesn't matter what the outside situation is, the target is still the target. And nine times out of ten, it only goes one way. (laughs) It goes up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's a a case of, okay, so what are you going to do about it? And then you work back from there. And yeah, there's things like failure and other bits and pieces. For me... I take it quite personally. I, I, I take the ownership aspect quite personally, yeah. as in, if it's only down to me, I've got to make it happen. What what can I do daily? Yeah. Uh, but I also take a lot of ownership in terms of my own mental health, physical health. Yeah. So yeah, I, I train a lot, exercise a lot, yeah. make sure I'm surround myself with the right people yeah. that challenge me, like you say, but the positive aspects of it. Um, and then, yeah, just try and apply that day to day and take it, literally each day it's a bit like the football analogy like each month is like the next game type thing let's prepare and and, and chunk it down that way no go for it because I think that goes back to the leadership as well you talk about resilience is it's we have to set the tone as a leader and Mm. that it's actually acceptable to fail and Mm. I've worked in organisations where failure is seen as, as as a negative and to me it's about Failure is, I always say, it's your first attempt in learning, mm. and it's you want Pete, and it shows that you're taking yourself out of your comfort zone. And where do you get resilience from? You get resilience from taking yourself into environments which is new, yep. which then you acquire new skills. And yeah, you might go backwards to go forwards, but that's about building some of that mental toughness up because mm. you know you've got a, a safety net where it's not frowned upon. And if you've worked in organisations where it is frowned upon, then you, you, you resil- your resilience will be affected mm. because you've got an inner voice that's saying, I can't, can't fail, it. so you're stopping your comfort zone. And so we we have to, as leaders, we have to set that tone that goes, and 
we, we all fail. That's part of life. That's we do have that. Yeah, I think um, Lee and Graham often say that they like it. <laughs> the, the irony is, yeah, when, when something doesn't go to plan because yeah. you learn so much more. Yeah. And then as long as you learn those lessons and apply it the next time, correct? Um, then, yeah, you can you can grow. Yeah, making sure that obviously if someone's failing 24-7, that means that maybe that they're outside of the, the competence for that role. And that's then kind of coaching, training, then you need to performance management if unfortunately mm. the, 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 the role is not, not, like is not for them. Fit. And that's yeah. that's the that's the very nature of the world that we live in. But you've got to be able to look at yourself first of all. That says, have I set that person up to fail? First of all, have I not given the right toolkit? Mm. Have we not given them the right expectations? So I think that finger of blame. Sometimes they always say when you point the finger, there's three fingers pointing back. Yeah, like yeah. yeah. So, and I, I love it. I'm coming out with that's all the great. training like now, yeah. aren't they? I'm like rolling them all out. But it's it's really important because it's really quick to go. It's your fault rather than go right before I do that though. Let me just look at yeah. kind of my communication. Let me look at what have I set? Have I been yeah. clearing expectations? What, what are the the barriers that people have had to try and overcome? And. I, that comes back to again that then the emotional intelligence of being self-aware. Mm. It's about being able to reflect, being able to kind of point the finger at yourself first of all, rather than go, "Hey, I'm mm. the finished article," because I'm, I'm far from it. I'm learning every single day, and that's great because I think if you have that mindset, you're, you're more receptive to listen and you you blinkers out on. Mm. Have you always had that mindset? Throughout uh, your career, or is it something that you've developed over your, the course of your leadership? Rick, I think I've always had a positive mindset. Mm. When someone says there's a problem, I'm into right solution mode. I don't mm. know if that's kind of when you're when you're a seller as well. You yeah. just think to yourself, right, I need to find a way around that. I need to listen to what people are saying. But I think yeah, you you kind of either got a fixed or a growth mindset, and I've always I've always wanted to kind of have a career and, and move forward. I've wanted to kind of acquire new skill. I've always observed people and gone like what you're doing. Mm. How can I take a little bit of that rather yeah. than kind of go, hey, I'm the finished article because we're not. And if you are, I think that's when you become a little bit dead in the yeah. water and yeah. suddenly people start coming past you in the in a career path because they're the people that, that can Hungry, reflect. Yeah. I think that's a great point. I think throughout my career, I've always, everybody I've worked with, I've tried to take something from them. Even, yeah. even people that didn't get on with, there's, yeah. there's, there'll be bits that they do really well and it's yeah. like, how do I bring that into my approach? Yeah. I always found sport we were before we came on you know to record it we were talking sport and yeah i like you i think um played like team sports and you have to be resilient you know that built my resilience my early res resilience simply yeah. because you get called to account half time end of the game it was like you know jv you you know you didn't do this yeah you know someone mugged me on the 93rd minute and um, they they won the game. We didn't quite, we didn't go through to the next round. Yeah. And you know, getting called out. It was the first time it happened to me, and I was like, at an adult age. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, okay. You know, yeah. I need to I need to man up a bit and just yeah. go. Next game, I'll make sure that I've learnt the lesson. Yeah. I, you know, and I, I, my initial resilience was from there. But as Neil said, well, in sales, you you need it every single yeah. day because the amount of a rejection you get. Yeah for no other reason than it's just not the right time yeah. for them to want to talk to you or, or whatever. Yeah. You've just got to you know, go again. And you've got to have a willingness to kind of listen to people's feedback about yeah. kind of what they're saying there. Because I can remember when I were um, I used to work up in Stockton, I used to commute there every, every single day. I used to get back 7 o'clock at night time. At that point in time, I had kind of a four-year-old boy. And every time I came through the door, I didn't give him the time because I were, I'd been up at six o'clock and mm. his attitude and his behaviour started to change and he started to become quite troublesome. And I was talking to somebody and they said, you need to do the four-minute rule. I went, four-minute rule, what's, what's mm. that? I went, as soon as you come through that door, 
Give them four minutes. Just talk through everything. Let that person, give them the loves, the kisses, ask them what they're doing. And then go upstairs, get changed and come down and carry that conversation. And I did it. And his behaviour's changed. And it would just, you're like, it sounds really simple, doesn't it? You think to yourself, yeah. why did you not just think about that yourself? But sometimes you just, you get lost in your own world. Yeah. And that's why reflection is so important. You need someone just to, every now and again, give you a little tap on the shoulder and just go, have you tried this? And then you have to be receptive to go, you know something, that's got some, that's got some mileage in it. Yeah. And it would just, it, it were a game changer. And it's just, it's like something, I but it's... I just, I was so dismissive because you, again, you, you're lost in your own world, aren't you? Your head is like, I'm, I'm stressed. I just need to decouple what, what I've got on through yeah. the day. But you're not thinking about how your attitude is having a direct impact then onto somebody else's behavior. You can take that back to your, to your leadership style that says, why is that person acting that way? Well, mm. it comes back to, well, what are you doing first of all? Is it because of the way that they're being managed? Is it that they've not got clarity? Is it that they've been put in an environment where they feel like they're being set up to fail? Because mm. they don't have the toolbox at the moment. So it's all those things. And there, there um, resides one of the advantages of going to an office. Yes. Because you get that break. You, all right, granted, you know, if you've, if you've got a really, you know, um, high level or high pressure job, even the commute can be business call after business call. Next thing you know, you're driving onto the drive. Yeah. But actually, I find I live five minutes from here. Yeah. I walk through the door. I need to do the four-minute thing. Yeah. And then um, my wife's like, right, I want you to be your husband. Son says, I want you to be dad. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, I've still got four things that I'm yeah. going through. <clears throat> and, I, and it's like, right, okay. You know, I probably, I've not been told that. That's the yeah. first time I've, I've heard it. But I've, in my mind, I've been thinking, <clears throat> I've got to do more about that. But yeah. actually... If you if if we are everyone's working from home and you tend to do it more, um, you know that's that's tough to to break that yeah. that cycle between you know all the stresses and pressures of what's going on in mm -hmm. the day and in the month yeah. to yeah dad and husband yeah yeah it's, you know, it's challenging it, it, yeah it is yeah. yeah especially if the numbers out there as well like you were saying is your your mind is constantly what what can I do better and but sometimes you're trying to answer those questions yourself rather than just go. Right, let me press pause. Let me ask some other people that, mm. are, that are observing me because that's where you get those little nuggets where yeah. you go, hmm, yeah. But, but, but you don't think that way because the blinkers are on and all you're trying to do is solve your own problems and sometimes a problem half is a problem shared. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Who do you go to? Not specifically individuals, but do you have kind of formal mentors that you use to bounce ideas off? Or is yeah, your... people that I used to work with who I've kind of yeah. looked up to, um, kind of peers. Um, yeah, I think it's just anybody that you know will give you some honest feedback. Because you, you, yeah, but I think don't pick the easy people. Because mm, yeah. if you pick the easy yeah, people yeah. that aren't going to be constructive, you're just going to get that narrative that you want to hear, rather than someone that will be fairly honest and constructive in, in how they come back to say, "Well, actually, I don't think you do these things well." And here's some suggestions that I think would would help you. Yeah. So yeah, I think I'll I'll tap into people because they've got the experience. And like I say, I'm not the finished article. And but have I done that all the way throughout my career? No. 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 So what's no. changed? I think I, I had a, a tough time in a previous role, um, and I think that there were a lot of things going on as well, kind of split up, I had some financial kind of burden that came with that, or in a job that were really challenging. And that kind of made me become a bit more introvert rather than extrovert. I'm normally outgoing. People started to notice that, mm. and they, they were kind of pulling up saying, you've kind of got the pressures on your, your shoulders here, and I'm seeing that you're, you've got your arms yeah. rather before you've been really inclusive, and mm. you've kind of you've been making sure that everybody 
So there's there's something not right, and it, it those people are the, the kind of the angels that the, the the goes back to that kind of observation about the yeah. that they knew that was something was wrong, and that's when I thought once you've had that type of experience and it's not you, it makes you take a step back and go, do you know something? Hey. I'm never going to go back to that place again. Mm. And I just need to know what the triggers are and what are the things that I need to to look out for. So, yeah, I think it's all about life experience, isn't it? And sometimes, until I went through that, would I have turned around and be openly and talk about it in this type of forum? No, because I've probably seen it as a as, as a weakness. But actually now I see it as a strength and I'll, I'll tell that story 24-7 mm. because the brain sometimes... It, it's there to protect you, isn't it? If things aren't going right, yeah. it, it mm. shuts down to protect you. But then when it does that, you need to understand that you probably need to kind of reach out and make sure that you're, you're doing the right stuff to get yourself back to the, the, the right position. And I was always kind of on to mental health kind of before it kind of became really prevalent. I kind of did the, the um, uh, mental health first aid course about five, six years ago. I think it goes back to leadership as well. Mm. Is these are the type of things now which I think leaders need to immerse themselves in because there's more and more, especially after COVID as well, even mm. even more. Yeah. You need to immerse yourself in a world of what do all the different signs and symptoms look like because there's some people that kind of dismiss anxiety, panic attacks. It's, well, it's just a panic attack. If you've been through a panic attack, you know it's serious and you know what that does to somebody. Yeah. And I think that that's a really important skill for people to kind of immerse themselves into that world because you need that knowledge to to be able to kind of deal with a with a conversation. If someone's having their worst day ever, how do I engage in that conversation rather than mm. Oof, God? I don't really want to kind yeah, of spend yeah. time with you. Let me know when you're over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if I, we're all busy people. Aren't we? If I know if I ask that question, Steve, how are you? And I know you're going to break down and cry on me. I'm going to lose two hours. People get lost in the. I'm not going to ask that question rather than well. What's the downside of that, though? Mm. Steve could actually, on that day, be his lowest point ever. And what, what impact that's going to have on that that person? Yeah. So to me, yeah, I think it's about being kind of that, that awareness of what's going on around you and that people have got things going on in their personal life. And ask those questions if you think that there's there's something going on that's underlying because you've seen a, a real significant behavioural change in that, that person. And it's not only, um, you know, obviously from the... The, the sensitive side of, you know, you know, listening to someone, hearing them out. And, and like you said, you know, um, a problem shared is a problem halved. It, it, but it's also, and not trying to take it back to business, but actually if you become that more caring and open um, leader, yeah. you, you then get a, 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 a sort of a more honest team, if, yeah. if, if you will. And then the, in the current climate where, you know, um, sourcing you know staff is is tough actually yeah. you're, you're more likely to retain them because yes. they know that actually you know it's, it's an inclusive it's a yeah. it's a, a holistic sort of you know leader and, yeah. and team and actually yeah the, the way the world's moving and and how tough it is at the moment actually yeah. suddenly you're gonna um evolve and, and develop a team that actually has got everyone's backs well and, i totally agree because i think there's the there's the engagement of your current staff but there's also then about your employee brand, about then people that you're going out to recruit. If, yeah. if you're kind of on the social platforms and people get a feeling for you as your your personality, what's coming through, 100%. it's like, you know something, I could, I could work for that guy. And we all see people you kind of find as inspiration or the things that you say, you, you, you're aligned in the same value set, the things that they share, you think, you know something, I, I like what you stand for and I like that you have an opinion on those areas. I like the way that you present yourself. 
And then if you're going to that organisation potentially to work, you think, yeah, I could definitely work for that person. We've all had managers and leaders that you would walk through walls for. Yeah, so you, people don't leave jobs, they leave bad bosses. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's, that's really true. People, people don't tend to leave jobs for another couple of grand because another couple of grand gets lost in the wash yeah. sometimes. It's... They're either happy, if they're ha happy with their manager, people tend to stay in a role. Yeah, like. and I think it, it also down to the individual. So, like, for me, we did the insight sort of personality uh, yes. taping no, last so, week. So, the, so the bricks, bricks on yeah. there. Like, I thought, so who's, like, who's the red person? Who's yeah, the authority? Yeah, yeah. who's the, who's <laughs> yeah, the yeah. And, and interestingly, on those bricks, like, the top one for me was yellow, and it yes. was, like, involve me, yeah, so yeah, I want to be yes. involved. Yeah, but then so the green me. one is, is, yeah. is show me that you care. Yeah. Exactly that. If someone asks me the question, show yeah. me that you care. Exactly what you just said. You want to run through brick walls for that manager yeah, if yeah. they actually, if you feel as though they are genuine and they and they are they are empathetic. Because yeah. years ago I used to be in more of a coaching background yeah. and and I very quickly realised you could give people the best exercise plan, the best nutrition plan, but whatever's going on between their ears, Correct. if you haven't addressed that, yeah. the thoughts, the negative <laughs> loops that they yeah. were in, and yeah. things like that, and it's like, and you can see you see people within within sales, within different, they can catch themselves in little patterns yep. and, it, and it seems to repeat itself and it's that self-talk. Yes. And, and you sometimes, you have to be, as a leader, you have to be a bit of a coach sometimes. Yep. And, and, and taking it back to sport, you look at some of the elite athletes, the top, top athletes, they've all got a coach. Yep. They're not doing it on their own. Correct. They've got a team. Uh, well, they've then got you, coaches, they've got yeah. a line coach, they've got yeah. a, a physical you know, discipline Coach. And even when it's an individual like tennis or golf or whatever, when it, yeah. you see them as an individual, yeah. but they've all got a team around them and you're right. Well, you, you look at um, David A, mm. you look at Adam Booth. David A had a far better career than Adam Booth, but significantly, if you look at his coaching style, got the best out of David A and mm. he sp spoke volumes about him. So actually, as a leader, as a match, sometimes you do not have to be the best person. You don't have to be the best salesperson. Mm. It's about unlocking the potential and being able to kind of, and get people to be able to reflect and, and, and take them on a bit of a journey to say, right, okay, then how can we make improvements today? It's a bit, bit like the, the grow model in kind of what's mm. the goal, the real, reality of what's happening now, what are the opportunities, what do you want them to do next? But you, you want them to come up with the ideas because if you come up with the ideas, it's your idea, your brain's gone through that mechanical mm. process. So it's, it's locked in and you've had an emotional feel around it as well. Yeah. And that's why coaching is an essential skill of kind of kind of leaders and, yeah. and, and, and managers that are running those functions because you want people to, to kind of get the, the nub of it that they're taking ownership around their, their own. Yeah, because um, it's quite easy to sit in a meeting and, and people are just nodding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and 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 you sort of in, unless you're actually engaging with them, ask them some questions, yeah. take them through that process. Yeah, and they come up with their own answers. You're right; it's they they have to feel it and they have to sort of want to do it for yeah. themselves. Well, I could talk about leadership all day, <laughs> but we need to move forward. So uh, <laughs> you've the timekeeper. <laughs> you, you've had a career in sales. Yeah, and I've witnessed some of that career, and I've seen your I guess sales approach change over the years, I yeah. think that's fair. So you yeah. probably started off with a, with a catalogue and things have moved far more digital over yeah. the course of your career. So yeah. can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, Rico, I think selling has changed massively, isn't it? And the good thing is that everything evolves, everything moves forward. So you kind of, you had the catalogue, you had features and benefits selling, then it kind of mm. moved into probably the, the consultative type of sales approach. What's the issues? What's the impact of it? What's the implications? What's the ideal solution? You'd, you'd kind of have that kind of conversational skills then probably moved into more of a, a challenger sale process of kind of teach, tailor, 
take control, using insight to kind of educate customers. And I suppose now after lockdown, kind of social selling has become really prevalent. And kind of that's where now you look at LinkedIn before, it was more about kind of a, a jobs board. Mm-hmm. And it's, that 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 dial has changed significantly, and the the digital space is is massive, and it's about relevancy, isn't it? It's mm. about how am I now engaging? What am I giving to customers that sharing insight? What am I giving away personally as well, where that person gets to know me more? That if they have got a problem, they start to think of us as as, as sellers, and it's I think that digital space is just moving on at a, a pace, and I, I think obviously these type of things that you're doing. Within this organisation, you, you're giving nuggets away where people will go, hey, I've learned something from from that mm-hmm. podcast. Yeah. And then it's bringing it back. Yeah, yeah. But also it brings <clears throat> it to their to their mindset, they're into it, that actually, what does that, what that organisation do? Because mm-hmm. the conversation you have is not probably about the core business, yes. but it's, it's that halo effect into you bringing people in to go, I like these like-minded people. Could I see myself doing business with them? Yeah. Actually, have I got a need or want that sits within that organisation? Yeah. Yes. Well, actually, now then you've kind of you, you, you're in that first step of a, a sales mm. conversation, aren't you? So, how did you get into it? Because I, I follow you on LinkedIn, and um, for the listeners, watchers that don't, I would I highly recommend that you do because you, you put out some really interesting and, as you say, personal content. But yeah. what made you kind of get into that mode of selling? Just seeing how it changed over over the the, um, the lockdown process, and mm. like I say, is that you, goes back to what I was saying before that analogy you can either sit in your lane and be really comfortable mm. and then you watch others fly by you and you're thinking yeah. to yourself if you're not at that races you're behind you're behind yeah. the kind of the yardstick are you and I think that thought leadership piece has kind of always been in me you want to to be able to wear your views around certain subject areas you want to have debate goes back to that I like to be challenged, so I like some of the content in there where someone would be like, absolutely disagree with you for these reasons. Well, that's that's healthy because actually they can either change your opinion, mm. so I've learned something from that, mm. or actually they learn something from it, or actually you still disagree, but you're still respectful of each other. And I think that, to me, that social selling is... If you look at how much time now people spend on 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 LinkedIn and social platforms, they're saying it's like two and a half hours a day mm. from a from a business context. Wow. There's four and a half billion users on 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 social platforms. If you go back to the old marketing ways of kind of just kind of sending out marketing emails, you don't get that interaction, do you? Kind of you can get the click rate, you can get the open rate, but trying to show that as a return on investment. But also making it more personalised, that people buy from people. I think the social channel gives you that out of the old the old channels that we've probably all previously used, and that the world is changing, and we've got to we've got to move with that world. So that's that's what I got into. So, it. so when you're um, putting content out onto, how often are you? Every day. Every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there'll be stuff in there in regards to kind of personal stuff, just so people get to know me. There might be then things around. What I tried to do, and I'm kind of saying to Steve before we came onto the podcast, was our business, we've kind of got our unique selling points. We try and sell on a quality and expertise and a, and a safety first approach in, in the in the core business that that we that we do. So what I try and do is is, is have articles around that. 
um, write articles around those areas to kind of have debate. But also then uh, there's kind of areas that I want to talk about on that social platform where people get to know me. So I'll talk about kind of emotional intelligence. I'll talk about uh, mental health. I'll talk about um, leadership because that's where you'll get debate with people. Yeah. Mm. Um, but those are things that kind of resonate for me because A, I want to kind of share my, my views. I'm not saying my views are, are right, but I, I get that validation, either people agree, disagree, but then I'm learning. And I'll say these last two years, LinkedIn is probably where most of my personal developments come from. Mm. Wow. Because mm. it's just, you read stuff and you just think, it goes back to saying, taking the blinkers off. If you don't see yourself as the finished article, there's so much that you can learn on yeah. that platform. And yeah. don't get me wrong, the, the stuff that I'll put on there, which people think, load of drivel. That, but that's preference, that's choice, isn't it? That's, that's, that's the real world. I think people are also scared of voicing what they think because getting shot down keyboard warriors. Yeah, yeah. But you've got to accept that that is part of what you're going to come across on on the on the socials. Have, but you, have you always been comfortable with it, or have you? Is it something that you've had to get used to? I've got to get used to. It. So, so we we've actually gone on a piece of work as well as our organisation where we're doing a bit of a social selling training mm. course. Yeah, uh, because. I want to kind of make sure that we've got a level of consistency. And if that's the way that the market's going, that's the way that we've gone. So I've been fortunate to kind of work with a training provider as well. And actually the, the, the guy that runs the course, very vocal, very good at what he does. Um, so you, you've got a bit of a mentor there in a way. So mm -hmm. actually outside of the training course, I've got a good kind of personal relationship with that person now when you you can bounce things off each other and you, you see what he does, what good looks like. You see what other people do and... Like you said before, you look at a leader, you think, take those little bits of I was going to ask you there, who do you model? Who, who's the ones that put information out there that you think are, are good? Who, who would you say? Quite. So if you, if you look at Nick Rayburn out there, okay. um, Nick is, is very vocal and he's, he'll share things personally. He'll share things about kind of the, the, the thought-provoking that, that come through. Um, I think that's kind of a real... He's got some real honesty as well. And he's challenging kind of the, the normal marketing channels. And I, I, you can see them when there's kind of old marketeers that feel really uncomfortable mm -hmm. in what he's saying. But I think he knows that challenge is really, really healthy. Um, and to me, that's that's kind of fundamental, isn't it? That mm. if challenge is done in the right way, you'll get so much rich information yes. that, that, that comes on the back of it. But you've also got to be prepared to be challenged around what you're doing. Yeah. And also, are the acceptance that sometimes that your will might need to change based on what's coming back because it may be that you've learned that the direction of travel or your thought process is is, is maybe not relevant in, in this in this day and age. It's that humility again. It's being, being willing to take feedback and take yes. a challenge. All right. And I want to talk about technology as well because... One of the things we talk about is every industry is changing, certainly yeah. when it comes to, to technology. And I just wanted to hear a little bit more about your industry. Are there any emerging trends in terms of new technology coming through or technology changing the status yeah. quo? Yeah, I think remote, we've got engineers that go to site, that are taking readings either on the lightning protection system, yeah. um, taking it on any of the, the height safety systems. So the remote access for, for lightning protection is, is an emerging kind of technology that you don't actually send an engineer to site. It can start to pick up uh, when lightning strikes have taken place as well. So there might be lightning strikes overnight. Has that hit the system? Has that caused any, any problems? Um, 
kind of the the height safety industry has been pretty kind of old school for for a long period mm. of time, and that's now moving to more digital reporting and being able to kind of capture that and give more customers visibility of their assets and how that's then viewed in regards to what's compliant, what's not. Because you imagine from a height safety point of view, if you're connecting to a system, mm. you want to make sure that whatever you're connecting to is safe, it's compliant. Um, and obviously it fits with the right uh, regulations that that fits under. So I think they're probably the two emerging things that are happening within within our industry. Um, and of course, electric vehicles as well. Yes, and obviously the EV. Yeah, yeah. So is that that's a new market for you? And, and I guess what made you get into it, other than the obvious, it's probably a massively high growth market. Well, you, you think the customer base that we've got yeah. and the target areas, you've already got a customer base there. You've already got the um, um, electrical background as well from the lightning protection. Mm. So there's a natural kind of synergy there that says we've got a customer base. We've got a lot of the core components in regards to the the, the skill sets. We're actually part of a larger organisation as well. So we're part of South Staffs Water, which has a contracting arm underneath it called SSI, and under that, which is quite heavily into the water industry. Right. And we've got contractors in there as well that kind of work in um, in maintenance. So. By using their core skills and our expertise from an electrical point of view, we can put that that from a mechanical and electrical background, mm. you then can install those 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 pods sense. and components. And mm. the customer base that we're into is kind of FM, distribution, universities, uh, retail, all places where yeah. you've got big volumes of people going, yeah. big car parking space. So we're not kind of into the, the household. Um, sector mm. it's more kind of into the, the industrial into, into those where, core components I think that's where you're quite right that's where the opportunity is because I'll say for example go to the gym or I'll park in a big shopping the infrastructure is still not there no it's still mm. not there no it's uh, and yeah they need companies like yourself to try and yeah bring that up to speed because yeah. otherwise that adoption <laughs> again you can see that with the sales of the cars <laughs> more and more people are buying them yeah it's that frustration that the infrastructure still needs to be there. Or oh, you have that range anxiety. People are still... Yes. you've had an electric car for how long now? Uh, what is it, about a year and a bit? Yeah, is it still, does it still years. cause you anxiety or have you got over that now? Yeah, I mean, it's it's great for buzzing to the office and back. Yeah. I think when I need to go to the airport or up to Man the Newcastle office, yeah, I do get a bit twitchy when I start getting low on miles. And the thing for me is, you're out, you're out you know, I've got an EV on, on order, but... <laughs> You don't. I'm not seeing any building sites or anything. I'm not seeing any change where people are putting that infrastructure yeah. in place, which mm. maybe I should cancel me. <laughs> well, I think well, and that's where kind of when you're selling more now. This is where mm. the, kind of our proposition comes in. Because first of it is doing the feasibility feasibility study. Mm. So trying to understand about how much power also that you get into to, to your location. So that needs to understand about what you can actually have in way of number of assets that you're going to put in play. And that's, that causes people some of those issues. And also then there's a lot of people that have still not got all the car users, but there's going to be an investment to, to lay that down, to yeah. put kind of 70, because you've got to have an X amount of percentage of parking spaces that accommodate for, for, for EV. So it's about how that, that starts to materialise and also then getting the budget, because it can be costly depending on kind of what the solutions are. And that's where we come in that says, depending on what you've been sold, 
we might be able to find a different solution because you actually might be putting in the the, the, the wrong units for what's actually what's required mm. for your key requirements for the number of vehicles that you've got at this present time. So you might want to do it in phases rather than big bang. Yeah. Let's try and help you that kind of find the the roadmap to get to where you need to get to. So it's I say we, we've we've started just to bring that proposition to life. We landed our first order uh, a couple of months back. But, but the, the sales process is quite quite protracted because it's going through mm. a lot of decision makers. And mm. you think about what they say now in sales, there's probably 15, 16 decision makers in a process. That's no different to kind of EV because it's going across a lot of different touch points within yeah, different, different people's organisations. And it's, it's, a, it's something which goes back to COVID. People, it's brand new to them. There's no real blueprint am, am i am i putting the right solution in place i'm spending quite a bit of money mm-hmm. am i going to get the right solution for what i need for, for for the drivers that we've got coming in now and have i got enough bandwidth to be able to grow with 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 the growth of the business potentially as well Yeah, because universities and places like that they'll probably just see it as a cost because really it's like well we've got a car park and our core product is the education yeah. so we're not going to sell them anything whereas retail it's like actually we might get more footfall if yeah. we actually put this in place mm-hmm. and things like that. And it's, people are having to make yeah. those decisions. And you see, in your hotel trade as well, you think about there with people, yeah. is it a point of difference to say, actually, I've got an electric car and I know then it's I can charge I overnight. And I'm, yeah, it's definitely something I'll yeah. look for now if, yeah. if they've got an electric charging point. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's kind of, those are the core sectors that we service from a, from height, safety and light protection. So all we're trying to do is sell extra services into a, yeah. to kind of drive sense. the car, essentially. It's drive more of our product ranges into yeah. our existing customer base. But it's a good opportunity, or it's a good example where technology has opened up an opportunity for you yes. guys to diversify slightly, but still you know, retain course, your yes. your core competency. Yeah, yeah. So brilliant. One last question because we need to we need to tie it up. But um, the podcast is called Tomorrow's Workplace today. So cast your mind forward ten years. What do you think workplaces will look like? What will be the key differences from from now in terms of workplace or people Oof. working? There's a, there's a million dollar question. I know, I never there's told a, after there's conversation, a exactly. Yeah. Oof, uh, Thanks for that, Steve. Yeah. I think obviously hybrid comes into it, doesn't it? So it is there less people in in buildings, um, but then that then comes back to kind of technology that says then is about how are then people communicating with each other? How are we doing? presentations with 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 clients is it more kind of vr where it becomes multi-dimensional that you can kind of touch and feel those products so you don't actually have to be out in front of them if it's if it's product led rather than solution led i, I can see that changing in, in in those areas obviously kind of the the metaverse is, is massive into in what mm. what can be done um kind of the services world from a training point of view is going massively into vr so they're kind of doing that simulation. Previous work role we did confined spaces and, and height safety. They're now doing VR for kind of confined spaces. Oh. And it's it's really immersive learning in what you go through. So it shows that you don't just have to be kind of doing the practicals of going through a tunnel. I think you still need to do that because, and it's also working at height. If you're working 10 metres and above, a, a VR is not going to simulate what it's All like to senses, be 10, sensors, 10, 10 metres up. It's, it's got to be, I think, that blend of how you operate, there will be kind of blended learning that takes place in, in, in those areas. Yeah, the working at height. I was in London a couple of weeks ago and there was a couple of guys cleaning this massive skyscraper yeah. on one of those, you know... Cradles? Cradle. For, for all yeah. the tea in China, I'm not interested because, <laughs> honestly, I looked up, nearly broke my neck looking up at the top 
And, and I'm like, they've got to go back up there. So they'd already come down. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, well, that, that's a no. And that is our core business. So that's part of the things that we do from a height safety point of view. The, the, the cradles, the BMUs that people are on there, we're servicing those kind of, and they have to be serviced every three months. So they have a three, six, nine, 12 monthly check. So that, that is our world. We've got engineers that are going into those environments. Wow. And that's that's why that safety first approach is really important because I take personally, that team sits under me and I want people to go home safely. There's nothing worse. If, if you've got a culture yeah. where it's just get the job done at any cost, I never want to take a phone call where they say a serious incident's occurred and you've seen the height that they work at. Yeah. You can see the wind that take place in there. That's... You're talking a different level of kind of risking where you're putting people. Yeah, you need to I'm going to send you a video. Safe. I watched this video on, on LinkedIn yesterday, actually, and it was from the 1970s. It was uh, Blue Peter. And I was going, going up, up Nelson's yes, column. Yeah, yeah. And, and there were literally basically um, ladders. Yes, Attached to the lightning protection yeah. bit, just with a bit of rope, yeah. and the Blue Peter presenter climbed up all this thing up. all the way to the top, <laughs> and then he had to put this wooden like plank on his bum, and then like. Lower himself down with a bit of rope. Yeah, he was. Oh, we're going to clean it. Yeah, and <laughs> no way in the yeah. world. I was getting anxiety just watching the video about how high up he was. And, oh, and that just shows word. how much. Again, when we talk about what things are evolving and changing, how those kind of safe working practices, health and safety legislation have kicked in to make sure that people are protected. But it's amazing some of the things that you see people still do when you when they're doing jobs to take a shortcut now is that because that's a mindset of themselves or is that because they're under the cosh mm. and they've been forced to do that for a number of jobs and that comes back to your your culture comes back to tie all back to leadership into it? it's who's setting the tone for that to be the case and it comes back to kind of visible leadership and going out and doing safety audits so that's another great way to engage with people is go out and actually find out what's happening on the jobs. Have we sent someone a wrong job pack where they felt that job was not safe? And we all say to them, if you feel that the job is unsafe, stop it. Pick up the office, pick up the phone, speak to the office and let us know because we can control that. Mm. What I can't control, if you put yourself in that environment and you have an accident yeah. and you've gone, mm. I don't, I'd rather have a an uncomfortable conversation with the customer that says we can't do this job because of this, these said reasons. You might you might have guys with little VR headsets on controlling robots going. And well, the, yeah, yeah, they take over, take over, they take <laughs> yeah. over the world. That, well, that was I was um, on the subject of you know your, Steve's curveball to you of like where do you see <laughs> yeah. ten years time? I was I was either read it you so someone you know we might have had someone on the podcast, but it was it was sort of saying. Basically, we're getting to the point where AI and you know bots and things like that. We're, we're getting to that tipping point yeah. where they may not need us. Yeah. So in ten years' time, you know, we might. Well, in I'm certain putting roles. a downer in at the end of a really yeah. good pod, but <laughs> it, it, yeah, but you know, it, they'll be like way more intelligent than us, and they'll be like, well, actually, yeah, we're gonna, we don't need humans. You know, yeah. maybe they need, hopefully, salespeople still to go in and. Uh, I should say know. some salespeople can come across as robots. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a salesperson. Don't worry. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Yeah. laughs> good stuff. I'm gonna, awesome. I'm gonna draw it to a close. That was, that was brilliant. Thank you very much for joining. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you.